0: This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Welcome to Outer Blue Talks Green, knowledge sharing on environmental investment topics. Today, we're going to address the complex and distinct challenges faced in Asia the need of its emerging markets to develop economically, combined with the necessity of transitioning to a low-carbon economy. To do this, I spoke to some of the ESG experts based in Amundi's Asian offices and joint ventures. Asia, home to 60% of the world's population and a fast-growing economy, is significantly exposed to physical risks caused by climate change. This has been seen in the recent heat waves across the continent the swine fever outbreaks in Thailand, and the devastating floods in Pakistan. These events underline the importance of balancing economic development, climate action, and social inclusion with the challenge of decarbonizing Asia's energy mix. The view of the International Renewable Energy Agency is that Asia has two choices for securing its future energy needs. The first one is to continue to rely on fossil fuels that currently power 85% of the energy consumed in Asia with a big reliance on coal. And the second one is to choose to use its ample, affordable and indigenous local renewable energy resources. In this respect, Asia is uniquely positioned to develop its economy using these vast renewable resources. Demand for sustainability is increasing in Asia too. Within financial services, the trend towards responsible investment has intensified over the past few years as investors in Asia have become very engaged on ESG issues. My first guest is Sylvia Chen, head of ESG South Asia. Sylvia, could you tell us about the sustainability survey that you carried out in Singapore?
1: Last year, 2022, Amundi commissioned a survey called A Title Shift purpose beyond profit to uncover attitudes and actions toward ESG investing among Singapore individual investors more than 1000 participants in Singapore were interviewed we would like to share with you three key messages that we found out from the survey the first one is ESG investing has become not only fashionable but also preferential across generations in Singapore Eight ten are engaged investors who place the search for impact at the heart of their investment decisions. These shows a strong interest in ESG topics, and they are committed to environmental and social causes on the daily basis as much as possible, and are aware of the impact that responsible investment products can have and place the search for impact when it comes to investment decisions. Second is there is a generation shift in attitudes toward ESG investing among Singapore investors. The Gen Z and young millennials age groups are more interested in ESG investing and view it as a of higher priority now as compared to pre-pandemic times. We observe high interest in social causes such as poverty and inequality, and these values are very at the center of their considerations when it comes to their belief and to their actions. The third point is that the survey pointed out that the gap, which is the gap between the say versus do, or between the sentiments versus the actions as related to ESG investing. In recent times, there is a growing understanding and awareness of ESG investing among general public as well as investors in Singapore. However, when it comes to parking their money, most investors are willing to allocate only partially into ESG investments which is at around one third of their portfolios. Since the pandemic, we see just that four in 10 investors have actually increased their energy investments. So this mismatch can come down to the fact that individual investors in Singapore are still generally view financial investments as a primary way to grow one's savings and only 8% of the respondents view it as a leverage to drive the ongoing environmental and social changes. So what we like to do is actually to bring more awareness and uh, momentum into this
0: ESG investment sentiments. Thank you Sylvia. So there's clearly positive momentum from investors towards ESG. But how can this be translated into tangible action? The funding needs to meet the targets of the Paris Agreement are massive. Clean energy investment in emerging markets will have to increase by more than seven times to above 1 trillion US dollars by 2050. So while public investment plays a significant role in developing new processes, as well as transitioning existing ones, they're not sufficient on their own. Private capital must be mobilized to help mitigate risks while providing financial returns to investors. Blended finance is an effective way to channel private capital towards projects that contribute to sustainable development. But while blended finance instruments are well suited to private investors, They still mainly tend to attract investors driven by sustainability objectives and are not yet widely used. Yet scaling up responsible investing and deploying it across all geographies represents significant opportunities for Asia. A clear increase in regulation on ESG topics, as well as increased demand from investors for responsible investing is driving the shift across the region. Yet there are vast differences in terms of economic development climate-related risks, transition, and social challenges across the continent, meaning more innovative mechanisms will need to be part of the journey. And of course, different pathways will be needed for different countries. Grace Guan, Amundi's head of responsible investment in China, joins me now. Grace, could you start by giving us a few examples
2: of the trends that you see in your country? Responsible investment in China has been mainly driven by its environmental concerns and greatly accelerated by its carbon targets declared in September 2020, and that is carbon peaking by 2030 and carbon neutrality by 2060. By end of uh, 2022, the overall amount of sustainable investment in China reached 24.6 trillion RMB, almost 3.4 trillion U.S. dollars, recording 33% year-on-year growth, among which the largest portion is green credit with a balance of 21 trillion RMB. And this was attributed to the green credit uh, guidelines issued by the central bank in 2012, which intended to direct the capital flow in the banking sector to the fields of green, low-carbon investment and the circular economy. Another notable asset class is green bond. China has been the second largest green bond market. In 2022, Chinese issuers priced a total 1 trillion RMB in onshore and offshore-labeled green bonds, representing 35% percent year year growth. This brought cumulative volumes to 3.3 trillion RMB. And that's almost 489 billion US dollars. Here, I have to mention about the EU China Common Ground Taxonomy, which explores the commonality of the EU taxonomy and China Green Taxonomy. It now includes 72 climate mitigation activities and will continue to expand over time. This will not only promote the investment in China's green bond market, but also will ease the international investors' concern about greenwashing. Moreover, in 2022, the Green Finance Guidelines were issued, requiring not only banks but also insurance companies to incorporate ESG considerations into their investments. And since 2019, the Asset Management Association of China has required its members, mostly public and private fund managers, to report their green investments on an annual basis. On the industry policy front, the overarching 14th five-year plan on industrial green development was released at the end of 2021. And on company level, major sector players are formulating their ESG strategies and carbon neutrality roadmaps. So all these dynamics are shaping the responsible investment ecosystem in China, which are also crucial to responsible investors' research and investment decisions.
0: Sylvia, back to you. Could you tell us a bit more about the situation in Singapore and South Asia?
1: Singapore and the region have been working a lot on ESGs, particularly on energy transitions. Besides working on energy transition in boosting renewable energy developments, setting more ambitious clean energy mix, improving grid operations, as well as pushing for more storage solution technologies, Many regions in the region have also placed greater emphasis on energy security and reliability and further embraced the innovative solutions such as advanced batteries, hydrogen, CCUS, etc. So, for example, nations in Asia, such as Singapore, have positioned hydrogen as part of the national strategy and set vision for future hydrogen economies. The sector that have come to some of the largest impacts would be energy, utilities, transportations, and infrastructure related that's required to support the energy transitions. Other than clean energy solutions, another area of focus for energy transition happening in the regions would be on phasing out fossil fuel assets such as coal. Nations with heavy reliance on coal have been working to reduce such reliance. Indonesia and the Asian development banks have launched the first project under the energy transition mechanism to refinance and. Prematurely retire a coal-fired power plant um, by 10 to 15 years earlier than its intended useful life. It's also interesting to highlight that the GFAN's APAC have announced the development of the guidelines for financial institutions on how they can facilitate the managed phase-out of coal power generation in the Asia-Pacific, as well as for Singapore's um, version of the taxonomy that has also incorporated
0: the guidance on the managed coal phase-out projects. So Asia stands out. Thank you so much. Now to finish, I have Priyanka Dingra with me. From SBI-FM, Amundi's joint venture in India. Priyanka, how does the situation differ in India?
3: In India, we have been witnessing an accelerated effort towards green finance post the 2017 net zero announcement in Glasgow. There is already an accelerated policy and investor action around renewable energy, green hydrogen, electric mobility, bioethanol, etc. The capital markets regulator SEBI has mandated top 1,000 listed companies to disclose ESG data and has become the first regulator across the world to regulate ESG ratings to make them more contextual. SEBI has also mandated the ESG funds in the country to adopt enhanced disclosures and has introduced six different categories of ESG mutual funds. However, these funds can only invest in companies having ESG disclosures and incrementally assured disclosures of ESG data. Currently, there are around 12 ESG funds with 1.2 billion USD AUM. The Reserve Bank of India has also introduced the green bonds framework and allocated two tranches of sovereign green bonds early this year. RBI has launched the green credit policy and green deposits framework. Thanks
0: so much to each of you for these insightful remarks. Responsible investment in Asia is still on the whole, only at the start of its journey, but we can see that client appetite and readiness for it is increasing. As our Mundi experts just mentioned, countries are working hard to align with international standards and enhance information disclosure to promote capital flows to responsible activities. The most prominent current themes are environmental topics and net-zero ambitions, with most Asian countries committing to net zero targets between 2050 and 2070. I wanted to finish today with a final topic, transition finance, which is the major trend to watch in the responsible investment market. Transition finance is defined by the OECD as finance intended to decarbonize entities or economic activities that are emissions intensive. They may not currently have a low or zero emission substitute that is economically available or credible in all relevant contexts, but are important for future socio-economic development. It is a new approach to decarbonizing high-emitting industries that is being spearheaded in Asia. It is something we are going to hear about more and more as the global communities strive to achieve the objectives of the Paris Agreement. This type of transition finance is also a way of ensuring that the energy transition is just, meaning that the transition towards a carbon-neutral economy happens in a fair way, leaves no one behind, and helps avoid sizable economic inefficiencies in emerging markets. But to succeed in transforming the real economy and in gaining credibility, many challenges still need to be overcome. The shift to clean energy must happen progressively. So far, there's little consensus on how to support the transition to an inclusive low-carbon economy, as no common technical criteria, qualifying sectors or technologies have been established. Tangible KPIs are needed, that are dynamic and that evolve according to progress along the transition pathway. Meanwhile, better transparency, consistency and real success stories are needed to encourage uptake. We believe existing financial instruments should be sufficient to serve these monumental funding needs. Decarbonization projects, for example, can be financed by issuing sustainability-linked bonds, which are designed to fund projects with environmental or social benefits. Active ownership and continued shareholder engagement on climate strategies will also greatly influence companies to improve their practices. As a conclusion, asset owners and asset managers should pay attention to the fast growth of responsible investing in Asia, as ESG regulation and investor demand increase across the region. Given the size of the sustainable development financing gap, the potential for recognized transition finance is high, as are its social and environmental benefits. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2014-65-EU, dated 15 May 2014, as amended from time to time on markets and financial instruments, called MIFID2. Views are those of the author and not necessarily Amundi Asset Management SAS. They are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice, as a security recommendation, or as an indication of trading for any Umundi products or any other security, fund units or services. Past performance is not a guarantee or indicative of future results.